Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we aren't pretending to have all the answers or even the navigation tools to move on or get going in the right direction. We're just trying to make sense of loss and move forward. Coping is an individual skill that everyone has to come to in their own time. You might crave comfort and support from your family and friends. Then again, you may want to retreat into your own cocoon until you're ready to face tomorrow. Loss also can describe a multitude of deprivation. You might be faced with a tragedy of biblical proportions or slowly losing something you cherish. You can grieve life-changing events as well as missed opportunities. All come with their own challenges and adjustment periods, and neither should we judge ourselves harshly nor push ourselves to move too fast through the process. It's important to encourage and nurture yourself as well as your friends and loved ones. Gentle reminder, we're all unique individuals and what you find sad, fun, outrageous, brilliant, or mad might be slightly or radically different from others. Ready to offer a helping hand and one to hold? Encouragementology is about all of life's challenges, and loss is a big one. We all will and have dealt with grief at some point in our lives. Hilary Stanton Zunin said, The risk of love is loss, and the price of loss is grief. But the pain of grief is only a shadow when compared with the pain of never risking love. You only experience profound grief when you've experienced great love. Some say it's a trade-off. But that doesn't really help one get through it. We can all agree, tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Alfred Lord Tennyson As I said, we will be looking at all types of loss from different angles. But let's start with the most shattering as an attempt to cover the heartbreaking first and work our way into the light. The loss of a loved one. I lost my father a little over a year ago. His tragedy wasn't swift and without warning, but painstaking and cruel. He suffered from Parkinson's and dementia and passed away in isolation after being quarantined in a nursing home. I could say the worst timing of all, but really... Is there ever a good time? Are you ever ready to lose someone or say goodbye? Never. Not really. I know he was suffering, and it was selfish to want one more day or even one more hour. But we're human, and that was my daddy. And accepting that type of finality is incomprehensible. Yet, life goes on. The sun sets. The seasons change, and your own life keeps unfolding before your eyes. No matter how you want the world to stop and acknowledge your pain and nurture you until you're ready to rejoin the living, life goes on.
some thoughts for exploration at healgrief.org. Understanding Grief and Loss, an overview. Grief is personal and individual, and every person experiences its nuances differently. Your personality, your support system, your natural coping mechanisms, and many other things will determine how loss will affect you. There are no rules, no timetables, and no linear progression. Some people feel better after a few weeks or months, and some others, it may take years. And in the midst of recovery, there may be setbacks. This nonlinear process can't be controlled. It's critical that you treat yourself with patience and compassion and allow the process to unfold. I hope the following information will help you reach a place in your process where, in spite of your grief, you're better able to function and live on a daily basis. Grief is often described in stages. Though each stage may last for a different period of time, for some people, the stages may be briefer or longer than for others. And some people may not experience all of them. But acknowledging that you may experience some or all of these stages will help you understand what may be happening. And you should not pass judgment on yourself or allow others to do that. You have the right to grieve and to fully experience your grief. Your feelings are normal, and it's important to remember that at some point, it will get better. You may not get over your loss, but you will survive it. The five general stages of grief is described by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Denial. This can't be happening. Anger. Why did this happen? Who is to blame? Bargaining. Make this not happen and I will... Depression. I can't bear this. I'm too sad to do anything. Acceptance. I acknowledge that this is happening and I cannot change it. While the five stages of grief may appear to be steps in a process, they're not. Even Kubler-Ross said that the stages are not meant to neatly package up grief. There's no typical loss or typical grief. Grieving is as individual as we are and is not a linear process. There are grief indicators, the common signs and symptoms of grief, like shock and disbelief. It's hard to accept death. You may feel numb and question whether the loss really happened. This isn't unusual. Some have noted their initial reluctance to even notify others of a loss in case it turned out to be untrue. This is a normal reaction. It's as if expecting someone to call or write or show up, even if intellectually you've accepted their death. There's also sadness. Profound sadness is a universal experience and can often lead to a feeling of aloneness or isolation. We sometimes believe that no one can understand the depth of our grief, which drives us deeper into sorrow. And then we can experience guilt. You may feel guilt over things you said or did or those you didn't and felt you should have. In cases of suicide, many people question whether they could have changed the outcome somehow. Yet there's nothing that can stand in the way of death or a final decision made by someone else. And over time, we have to acknowledge and accept that. Still, it's difficult to do in the early days or months 
of grieving. Anger. Regardless of how someone we love died, anger often comes into play. You may be angry with the person for not being here anymore or with caregivers for not doing more. You may blame God or others. Or you may not be able to direct your anger against a specific source, but find that every day small injustices seem bigger, much bigger than they might have in the past. This is normal. And no one should tell you that you have to stop or let go of your anger. That will happen eventually as part of the process, but on your own timeline. Fear. A loss can trigger fear on many levels. Fear of your own mortality, of losing those you love, of facing life without the person who's died. It can include fear of the future and the uncertainty you may now feel about your life's plans, knowing that someone close to you has died. Physical pain. We often think of grief as emotional, but it can manifest physically as well. Symptoms can include nausea, fatigue, lowered immunity, weight loss or gain, insomnia, aches and pains, and more. Although it can be difficult, it's important to do what you can to maintain your health during grief. There are ongoing triggers for grief. During bereavement and after, many things can trigger a return of intense grief. Expected things like a birthday, a holiday, or anniversary of the death, or more subtle experiences like catching a scent of perfume or cologne that reminds you of your loved one, or a smell of their favorite food cooking. These are grief triggers, and they can be long-term challenges. A common trigger may also be secondhand grief. Someone you hardly knew dies, yet their death may trigger your own grief again. All of this is normal, expected, and something you should allow yourself to feel. Don't judge yourself for reacting or not reacting to any of these triggers. Developmental issues can also trigger grief, especially for children. When a girl has to start high school without her mom, when a boy turns 16 and doesn't have his dad to teach him how to drive, even smaller events, like a young girl missing her big sister's support as she becomes a Girl Scout, can even trigger a loss. It's important to know that grief triggers exist and may affect you. They're normal, but if you're aware of them, you may be able to take steps to keep them at a minimum. If you're planning to share a holiday or other important event with relatives, talk to them ahead of time about expectations. Suggest and agree on strategies that will honor the person you loved while allowing you to compassionately support each other. Please remember this. Treat yourself with kindness, compassion, and without judgment. You have the right to grieve, and no one, including yourself, can tell you when it's time to end that process. Let's go over some myths and facts about grief. This might be a myth that you've heard. The pain will go away faster if you ignore it. But the fact is, trying to ignore your pain or keep it from surfacing will only make it worse in the long run. For healing, for real healing, it's necessary to face your grief and actively deal with it. 
Another myth is it's important to be strong in the face of loss. But the fact is, feeling sad, frightened, or lonely is a normal reaction to loss. Crying doesn't mean you're weak. You don't need to protect your family or friends by putting on a brave front. Showing your true feelings can help them and you. Another myth. If you don't cry, it means you aren't sorry about the loss. But the fact is, crying is a normal response to sadness. But it's not the only one. Those who don't cry may feel the pain just as deeply as others. They may simply have other ways of showing it. What about this myth? Grief should last about a year. Fact, there's no right or wrong time frame for grieving. How long it takes can differ from person to person. One of the critical factors in healing from grief is the support of other people. Having support from your family, friends, or a community of others who have also experienced grief allows you to feel that someone else gets it. Being able to share your story or your feelings is vital to the healing process. You could look for a faith-based group. If you're a spiritual person, you may find support in your community or with the leaders of a church or temple. They may be able to provide suggestions for rituals or prayers that might help. Because of their role in the community, they may have extensive experience with loss. You can also find a grief support group. There are many types of support groups for both general and specific types of loss. If this feels intimidating, remember that you can attend a group and just listen. You won't be forced to speak until you're comfortable, and you may draw comfort for being in a community of others who have some understanding of the depth of your grief. Therapists or counselors Sometimes talking to a professional with experience in grief counseling can help you work through some of the intense emotions you might be feeling. It's normal to feel vulnerable, especially during grief, and you might not always want to share your thoughts with people in daily life. A compassionate third party who has grief experience may help you overcome obstacles to your healing. When you're grieving, it's both important and difficult to take care of yourself. Your loss may take away your energy, your appetite, and your emotional reserves. But you need to allow yourself to grieve. Often we push the grief away or tamp it down by distracting ourselves with activities or tasks. Trying to avoid grief only leads to prolonging it. The grief has to be allowed to surface. Unresolved grief can lead to depression, anxiety, substance abuse, and health problems. Express your feelings in a tangible way. This can be done in many ways, depending on your creativity or usual means of expression. You can write about your loss in a journal or send a private note to a person you've lost. You can make a scrapbook, a photo album, or create an online memorial celebrating the person's life. You can also get involved in an organization or philanthropy that was meaningful to them and make a donation in their name. Be physically healthy. Your mind and body are connected, and physical health helps 
with the emotional healing process. It's natural to feel lethargic or low energy, but if you're able to take a walk or a run, it will promote the process. Combat your fatigue with an appropriate amount of sleep and choose foods that provide you not just with comfort, but energy. Don't judge yourself or let others judge you. You are allowed to grieve for as long and as deeply as you need to. No one, including yourself, can tell you when to move on or to get over it. It's okay to be angry, to cry, not cry, or even laugh. You need to allow for moments of joy in your grief and feel no guilt for having a moment without pain. It's normal to feel numb, angry, sad, or even depressed following a loss. But as time passes, those emotions should lessen in their severity. If you aren't feeling any better over time, you may be suffering from a condition called complicated grief, or you may be experiencing actual depression. If left untreated, both complicated grief and depression can lead to significant health problems, emotional damage, and more. never gets easy no matter how many books you read or podcasts you listen to. Losing someone you love is the hardest kind of loss, which is why we covered it first. Unlike the stages of grief, we can move on in a show just like that. What about losing a relationship, albeit love, friendship, or a colleague? This has its own set of challenges. You lose someone, but they didn't really go anywhere, just out of your life. Whether you were on the giving or receiving end, breaking up is hard to do. I've had my share of loss during my lifetime, and the hardest part for me is the what-ifs or the what-did-I-do's. You can go on an endless pursuit for something that will make sense and give answers where there are only questions. But is any of that real? It's easier for us to fabricate that moment in time that the disillusionment happened than to just accept that it's just time to move on or that everyone isn't supposed to be in your life forever, but instead, come and go. Ugh, that's a tough one. Don't you wish everyone came with a warning? Temporary love or friend. Enjoy it while it lasts. But instead, we go into relationships with this forever feeling. BFFs. Love of our lives, soul sisters. Well, I found this to help us understand it better. Surviving a relationship breakup. Top 20 strategies from Dr. Kim Meritz at the Mental Health Center of University of Alberta. Surviving a relationship breakup can be one of the most difficult things we ever do. And on an emotional level can be one of the most painful processes in our lives. Losing a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife can feel like your heart is literally being torn out. People are not well-equipped to deal with breakups because we rarely are taught anything about healthy coping after a breakup. By using these suggestions, it will not stop you from experiencing the pain of loss, but instead will help you move through the grieving process as quickly as possible and let you move on to ultimately having a more satisfied relationship in the future. 
Number one, don't fight your feelings. A breakup is often accompanied by a wide variety of powerful and negative feelings like sadness, anger, confusion, resentment, jealousy, fear, regret, just to mention a few. If you try to ignore or suppress these feelings, you will likely only prolong the normal grieving process and sometimes get totally stuck in it. Healthy coping means both identifying these feelings and allowing ourselves to experience these feelings. As hard as it is, you cannot avoid the pain of loss. But realize that by experiencing these feelings, they will decrease over time and you will speed up that process. There are several conditions that will likely intensify your negative feelings, including not being the one who decided to break up, not seeing the breakup coming, this being your first serious relationship, your ex being your only real close friend, continuing to run into your ex, the relationship having made you feel whole or complete, your ex starts dating someone else right away, thinking about your ex being sexual with another partner, believing that your ex is the only one in the world for you. Number two, openly discuss your feelings. Talking about your feelings related to the breakup is an equally powerful tool to manage. As we talk to supportive friends and family members, we can come to some new understanding and relieve some of our pain. Holding all of these negative feelings in just doesn't work, although there may be times when this is necessary, like in a public setting, at work, or in class. As we talk to others, we usually discover that our feelings are normal and that others have survived these same feelings. Above all, don't isolate yourself or withdraw from those people who can give you support. Number three, write out your thoughts and feelings. In addition to talking to others, it can be very helpful to journal your thoughts and feelings related to a breakup. People are not always available when you need to get out your feelings, and some feelings or thoughts may be too private to feel comfortable sharing with others. The act of writing your feelings out can be very freeing and can often give you a different perspective about them. Number four, understand that breakups are often an inevitable part of dating. Remember that many of our dating relationships will end up in a breakup. This is the very nature of dating. Until we find our best match, we're going to be moving in and out of relationships, so just expect it. This way, we won't feel so devastated when it does happen. Relationships usually end for some good reason, and they should end if we want to find the more suitable partner. No match will be perfect, so we have to decide how long to keep looking and what we can live with. Finding a complimentary partner is more about love and therefore it is going to likely take on many dating relationships to find it. Number five, don't personalize the loss. It's natural after a breakup to blame yourself, but try not to personalize the loss for too long. Much of the pain of a breakup comes from seeing the loss as your fault and regretting the choices you made while in the relationship. This process of self-blame can go on endlessly if you let it. 
Number six, prioritize basic self-care. Self-care refers to ensuring that your basic needs are being met, despite the fact that you may be feeling upset and depressed due to a breakup. You may not feel like eating, but do it anyway and try to make some healthy choices in what you eat. Give yourself ample time to sleep, particularly since this may be difficult for you. The short-term use of some herbal alternatives or sleep medications may be necessary to ensure that you get the sleep you need. Sleep deprivation will only compound your suffering. Keep up with your exercise routines, or maybe better yet, start one. Remember, exercise causes the release of endorphins, which can make you feel better. Number seven, get back into a routine. Since going through a breakup can create a sense of chaos in many areas of your life, continuing on with your routines will give you a better sense of stability or normalcy. Although taking some expectations off yourself temporarily can help, returning to routine shortly after the initial blow can help calm you down and give you a returning sense of control. This might include routines around wake-up and bedtimes, meals, schools, or related activities, exercise, and time with others. Number eight, indulge yourself. If there was ever a time to pamper yourself, it's after a breakup. You need to do something that will actively make you feel better. Indulgence can take many forms, depending upon what you really enjoy, but could include going to a special restaurant, going to a movie with a friend, having a hot bath, trying a massage, going on a short trip, buying something new, taking the weekend off, participating in yoga, or reading your favorite book. Number nine, give yourself some slack. Expect that you're not going to be functioning at full capacity for a time due to the distress you're experiencing. It's not unreasonable to lighten your load for a while. This might mean allowing yourself a break from studying or studying less than you normally would. It could also mean withdrawing from those extra tasks at work, maybe extracurriculars, taking on new things. Although some of these options may sound drastic, they will give you more time to adequately process your loss. Number 10, don't lose faith in people or relationships. Since you may be feeling very hurt after a breakup, it's easy to assume that all people are bad or untrustworthy, but that just isn't true. By holding on to this belief, you will be denying yourself all kinds of opportunities for a great relationship in the future. We can't overgeneralize from our limited relationship history and assume that it will never work out. Keep shopping. The more people you meet, the greater chance you will have to find your best match. Number 11, let go of the hope you will get back together. Unless there is some very strong evidence that you will reunite with your ex, try to let go of this possibility. Bringing closure to the relationship is impossible if you continue to hold on to the hope that the relationship will be resurrected. This means don't wait by the phone for a call or try to email or text them to try to have a little more connection or beg to get back together or make threats to get them back. These options will only perpetuate your emotional distress in the long term and make you come across as desperate which will further impact your already shaken self-esteem. 
Number 12, don't rely on your ex for support or try to maintain a friendship. It's not helpful to depend on your ex after a breakup, especially to help you overcome the pain of the breakup. It makes it a lot harder to get over someone if you're continuing to see them or trying to maintain a friendship. After a significant period, months, maybe years, of no contact, a friendship might be possible, but wait until you're feeling very emotionally strong again. Number 13, avoid unhealthy coping strategies. There are several ways of coping with a breakup that are considered quite unhelpful and will likely only compound your problems. These include such choices as drinking excessively, doing drugs, overeating, self-harm, gambling excessively, or becoming a workaholic. You may be tempted to do whatever you can to avoid feelings of loneliness and pain, but it's essential to find healthier ways to cope. Number 14, make a list of all your ex's annoying qualities. If you've been feeling bad because you keep thinking about how much you miss your ex or how well-suited you were for them, it can be helpful to make a list of all of their less endearing qualities, particularly if you didn't initiate the breakup. It's easy to focus on everything about the ex that you will miss, which can only magnify your suffering. If you spend some time reflecting, you may come to see incompatibilities in the relationship that make it easier to let go and come to see that there is likely a better match for you out there somewhere. Number 15, avoid the temptation to take revenge. The idea of retaliating against someone who you feel may have hurt you significantly is very tempting, but making this choice may have unforeseen consequences. Depending on how angry you are, these consequences could lead to criminal charges if you did something like keying their car, stalking them, or damaging other property. As much as this might feel like a good idea in your height of passion, it only makes you feel more out of control. Closure is promoted when contact of any kind is minimized. Number 16. Examine what you can learn from the relationship. We can all learn a lot from relationships we've been in, particularly ones that are painful. It's very helpful after a relationship ends to spend some time thinking about and writing down what you've learned so that you can have better relationships in the future. But don't use this as an opportunity to beat yourself up or blame yourself for the relationship not lasting. Learning promotes growth, while self-blame only extends your suffering. Number 17, make a list of all the benefits of being single. Although being single again may be an unwelcome event if you were not the one who chose to break up, it is worth reminding yourself that there are some definite benefits to being single. So here are a few to get you started. You are now much more able to put your own needs first. You will soon have the excitement of dating again, even though this may feel a little scary. You have more control of your daily routines, not having to negotiate. You can spend more time with friends and family who you may have neglected. You can do some traveling. You can choose jobs outside of the immediate area because your partner isn't affected by the choices. 
You can eat what you want. When you want it, you can go to bed and get up on your own schedule. You may now be free of criticism. You will have much more individual freedom. You now have more time to yourself. Number 18, perform a closure ritual. At some point in the process of letting go and grieving the loss, it can be very helpful to have a closure ritual. This symbolic gesture can be very meaningful if it's well thought out and considered the right timing. This could involve such things as writing a letter to yourself or to your ex with your final words regarding the relationship, removing all the photos you have of your ex, maybe even burning some reminders. Number 19. Remember that you can survive on your own. It is important after a breakup to remind yourself that you were able to survive on your own before you entered the relationship and you will be able to survive on your own now that you're no longer together. Relationships do not and should not make us whole. Even though they are a part of our life and our happiness, We all need to be able to stand on our own and meet our own needs regardless of the status of any of our relationships. Remember, the healthiest relationships are with two people who are able to meet their own needs. And number 20, start dating again. Although it's hard to decide when the best time for that is, and don't jump right back into it, but don't wait forever. You do need to grieve the loss and discover what you can learn from the past relationship. But you also have to move on, which means beginning to date again. Keeping the dating more casual at first might be wise rather than jumping right into a deep, meaningful, long-term relationship. Dating can help you see that there are a lot of other possible connections out there if you just open yourself up to the possibility You might be feeling burned and bitter, blaming yourself for one failed relationship after another, vowing to take yourself off the market and out of the game permanently. But before you go, consider, maybe it's you. Ouch. Sorry if that landed a little heavy. I know, it was a hard one for me to accept as well. But what if you aren't in the right place or... Be objective about what you truly need in your life. You know the song, looking for love in all the wrong places? Maybe the place is an emotional place and not a physical one. I've coached women who said to me, all the losers end up finding me. Or I always attract the wrong men. Hmm. If you're experiencing this always, isn't it time to look inside? Why are you settling for these types of partners? When you discover this type of treatment, why are you staying? What do you need that you are unable to fulfill? Don't accept that this is always the way it has to be. You have the power to understand yourself better and choose who you let into your life and who stays. Amy Marin helps us with healthy coping skills for uncomfortable emotions found at VeryWellMind.com. Whether you've been dumped by your date or you've had a rough day at the office, having healthy coping skills can be a key to getting through tough times. Coping skills help you tolerate, minimize, and deal with stressful situations in life. 
Managing your stress can help you feel better physically and psychologically and can impact your ability to perform your best. But not all coping skills are created equal. Sometimes it's tempting to engage in strategies that will have a quick relief, but might create bigger problems for you down the road. It's important for you to establish healthy coping skills that will help you reduce your emotional distress or rid yourself of the stressful situation you face. When you're feeling distressed, ask yourself, do I need to change my situation or do I need to find a better way to cope with the situation? Then you can decide which type of coping strategy will help you best. Maybe it's the problem-based coping. Problem-based coping is helpful when you need to change your situation, perhaps by removing a stressful thing from your life. For example, if you're in an unhealthy relationship, your anxiety and sadness might be best resolved by ending the relationship. Then there's emotion-based coping. This is helpful when you need to take care of your feelings, when you either don't want to change your situation or when circumstances are out of your control. For example, if you're grieving the loss of a loved one, it's important to take care of your feelings in a healthy way since you can't change the circumstance. There isn't always one best way to proceed. Instead, it's up to you to decide which type of coping skill is likely the best for you in any particular circumstance. When you're feeling lonely, nervous, sad, or angry, emotion-focused coping can help you deal with your feelings in a healthy way. Healthy coping strategies may soothe you, temporarily distract you, or help you tolerate distress. Other times, coping skills may help you change your mood. If you've had a bad day at work, playing with your kids or watching a funny movie might cheer you up. Or if you're angry about something someone said, a healthy coping strategy might help you calm down before you say something you might regret. So here are some examples of some healthy, emotion-focused coping skills. Clean the house. If you don't have time for that, maybe a closet or a drawer. Color. Cook a meal. Do yoga. Draw. Drink tea. Garden. Give yourself a pep talk or go for a walk. There are many ways you might decide to tackle a problem head-on and eliminate the source of your stress. In some cases, that may mean changing your behavior or creating a plan that helps you know what action you're going to take. Just remember, just because a strategy helps you endure emotional pain, it doesn't mean it's healthy. Some coping skills could create bigger problems in your life, so here are some examples of unhealthy coping skills. Drinking alcohol or using drugs. Substances may temporarily numb your pain, but they won't resolve your issues. Overeating. Food is a common coping strategy, but trying to stuff your feelings with food can lead to an unhealthy relationship with food and weight issues. Sleeping too much. Whether you take a nap when you're stressed out or you sleep late to avoid facing the day, sleeping offers a temporary escape from your problems, but... When you wake up, the problems will still be there. Venting to others, talking about your problems so that you can gain support, develop a solution, or see a problem in a different way can be healthy. But studies show repeatedly venting to people about how bad your situation is, is terrible and will make you feel stuck in a place of pain. 
overspending. While many people say they enjoy retail therapy as a way to feel better, shopping can become unhealthy. Avoiding things. Even healthy coping strategies can become unhealthy if you use them to avoid the problem. For example, if you're stressed about your financial situation, you might be tempted to spend time with friends or watch TV because that's less anxiety-provoking than creating a budget. When it comes to coping skills, there's always room for improvement. So assess what other tools and resources can be used and consider how you might continue to sharpen your skills in the future. As we come to a close, let's cover the top 10 key highlights. Number one, gentle reminder, we are all unique individuals. And what you find sad, fun, outrageous, brilliant, or mad might be slightly or radically different from others. Number two, you only experience profound grief when you've experienced great love. Number three, there are no rules, no timelines, and no linear progression to overcoming grief. Number four, your feelings are normal, and it's important to remember that at some point it will get better. Number five, treat yourself with kindness, compassion, and without judgment. You have the right to grieve, and no one, including yourself, can tell you when it's time to end that process. Number six, your mind and body are connected, and physical health helps with the emotional healing process. Number seven, if left untreated, both complicated grief and depression can lead to significant health problems, emotional damage, and more. Number eight, Healthy coping means both identifying these feelings and allowing ourselves to experience these feelings. Number nine, as we talk to supportive friends and family members, we can come to some new understandings and relieve some of our pain. Holding all of these negative feelings, it just doesn't work. And number 10, when you're feeling distressed, ask yourself, do I need to change my situation or do I need to find a better way to cope with the situation? If you want to share encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they are not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, be kind and gentle with yourself. Lean in to support from friends and family. Search for coping strategies that aid support without feeling rushed. Loss and the grief associated with it have no timeline but offer hope that it will get better. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone's room to the past.